Hello everyone, my name is Pedro and I'm a fanatical supporter of Santos FC. Hi Pedro, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, I'm doing really well, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I mentioned to you in a bit last time, I was so happy to hear that you're from Detroit. We spoke about it a bit, about my interest mm-hmm. in the city and just the history. Uh, how are things in Detroit at the moment? They're good. They're good. Um, I think the the city, obviously, as as you well know, may may get a bad rap um, in in the news. Um, but it's it's really much different on the ground. There's a lot going on, whether it's artistically, um, you know, lots of great restaurants going on. And and as we had spoken about previously, uh, the city's really experienced, um, you know, in, in certain parts, not all, of course, but rejuvenation, uh, especially in the downtown and the midtown area. There's um, plenty of different pockets of uh, not only just, um, you know, different vibrant cultural things, but um, there's, you know, investment flowing into the city. So it's an exciting time. Of course, there's still that grit and that uh, that that classic Midwestern Detroit feel. Um, but uh, overall, I think things are are good. We're still weathering, you know, the COVID pandemic, of course. But um, but on the whole, I think that the city has fared well, and I'm I'm pretty optimistic about the future. My first question: How and why Santos? Well, it's a bit of a story in um, in a couple different steps. Essentially, the, the the genesis is when I was a child, and um, like I said, I mean, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. The really our main religions here are Christianity and ice hockey. Um, we're like Southern Canada, basically. So I, I grew up a big ice ice hockey fan. The Detroit Red Wings were really the only thing I cared about um, as far as like a sporting perspective. Um, but I did spend a lot of time at, at my grandparents' house and um, they had a book there that was like a sports encyclopedia and had all sorts of sports in it. And um, my grandfather was a was an admirer of Pelé. And um, so that's why I originally bought this book. Um, and there was a, a spread in the book about what they would call Pelé and Friends, which was all about the, the great 60s teams of Santos. And so and I, I probably read this book maybe a hundred times. Um, and so since since I was a child, in the back of my head, I always knew Pelé. I always knew um, Santos, if not by name, but definitely by the crest. Um, so I always had that in my head since I was a boy. Um, fast forward to 2006. Again, I am completely no knowledge about what I would call at the time soccer, just absolutely zero. Um, but I ended up having the misfortune at the time, but turned out to be fortune of breaking my foot the first day of summer going off a skateboard ramp in 2006. And now I'm lo- I was looking forward to this great summer outdoors. Now I'm stuck indoors. Turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I found the World Cup on TV and I became obsessed with it. I watched every match that I could. As I was telling you, I'm, I'm half Italian. So the Italians won that year and I was just completely obsessed with it. I could not get enough. And so when it ended, I had this like void in my life. and I, was, I needed to follow club football. I just, I just had to do it. And really the only team, the only players that I knew were like Pele, Coutinho, all these guys from the 60s. So uh, just in my head at the time, I said, okay, this is my club. This is the team that I'm going to support. Um, and of course, there's no way you really can do that in 2006 in, in the U.S., I couldn't follow the team. The best I could do was kind of look up Wikipedia, 
try to get a feel. And again, at the time, I had no clue. I thought for some reason there'd be just one global league rather than different domestic leagues. No clue about Libertadores, Champions League. All I knew was that I liked this club, Santos. Um, so unfortunately, I couldn't follow the team really. So it kind of faded away. But again, um, and it's funny, I was listening to the episode with uh, Adrian from Tijuana um, talking about the 2010 World Cup. Um, and when that rolled around, again, I caught World Cup fever. And this time was a little bit different. After the World Cup, I could follow the club. Santos had done this genius move where they really invested a lot in their YouTube channel. And so I was able to, to start following the club more on a day-to-day basis, seeing who they're playing, um, seeing the young stars they had at the time, and, and following them on YouTube, um, which is really more where my fandom starts, that 2010 era on. And of course, at the time, it was a very easy, um, easy time to be a Santos supporter. We had all these young stars. We were successful uh, domestically in the, in the Copa de Brazil, um, in the Paulista State Championship, and then, of course, in 2011, the, uh, the Libertadores. So that combination of accessibility and the, the upward momentum of the team at the time really just put me over the edge. And that's, and that's really where, I, um, where, where my fandom started. So sorry about the rambling story, but uh, that's, that, that, is, uh, that is the story. No, but uh, that's what makes it so interesting. I like that you, you sort of, uh, you, you found a lot that resonated with you with Adrian's story in, in so many ways. Mm. So how do you keep up with the games right now? Well, so a few years back, I, um, I think I'm in January, it'll be three years. I started this Twitter account as a way to um, engage more with the team um, and kind of dive deeper into what was once like the secret passion that I had. Um, but I keep up to the, with the day-to-day going on um, with the club and surrounding teams on Twitter, mostly uh, watching the game. Um, you know, I have a few websites that I go to for for streams. Um, I've tried you know, the different s- streaming services where you would pay, um, and none of them really seem to be doing the job. But from my understanding, there is Paramount Plus now that apparently um is is good good content and good quality um but the the quality of some of these websites that that we stream from um is really really quite good and they have very good options um so i i just keep up with them online at these websites and and it's really easy it's really easy and the the quality is very good so usually just via via twitter and and these these streaming platforms yeah is is there a lot of English content available? There isn't, which is one of, again, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to get on Twitter and become part of this very niche English language Brazilian football community. Um, all the streams that I watch are normally in Portuguese, whether it's it, normally Brazilian Portuguese, there is a Portuguese channel from Portugal that occasionally broadcasts um, Brazilian league games. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, it is Portuguese. Sometimes continental competitions, especially Sudamericana, uh, will be in Spanish. But um, it's kind of been a joy. I, I've been able to kind of, I, I'm only fluent in English, but um, I've been able to kind of decode some of the, uh, uh, some Portuguese sometimes you know, from the announcers and especially on Twitter. So, um, and I have a small background in, in Spanish and Italian, other Romance languages, but um, but. Uh, but yeah, it's been kind of fun learning just a bit of Portuguese along the way. 
what's the time difference like it's not bad really um from my eastern standard time zone in the us um it's only about an hour difference from sao paulo right. so most of the games even if they're midweek you know i can i can just watch after work and then i'll have dinner afterwards and it's, it'll be a very nice night i know from your perspective uh in india i know it's quite a bit different and the time zones are quite a bit more spread apart but um but i was saying a lot of i mean i, I have such a admiration for the fans in places like malaysia and australia and and india just their commitment to the team staying up late um you know waking up early to watch these games it, it's really it, it's inspiring there's a, there's a guy a santos fan in um norway andre norwega uh, is his name on twitter and he is a fanatical santos supporter and he's up till 3 a.m. 2 a.m. watching these games um and every time i see him tweet i'm just uh i'm inspired and i'm i'm admiring his uh his commitment to the club who are santos's biggest rivals ooh that's a good question um oftentimes i think it's hard to say so in the city of sao paulo there are four big clubs um and palmeiras corinthians and sao paulo fc um are the three other ones um so i would say i mean each of each club rivalry has something special to it um for me right now and i think the intensity of those rivalries there it's always there but it ebbs and flows with kind of the the trajectory of each each team at the time of the of the match for me especially what happened last year in the libertadores palmeiras is my my most hated rival right now <laughs> um and um i i would say they're number one on my list it could be different for each supporter but i think one of each of those clubs is going to be no matter what santos where you talk to one of those three clubs from sao paulo is going to end up being um you know each supporter's biggest rival so definitely one of those three for me it's palmeiras who is your club legend well i mean it's almost like we don't even have to ask the question it's pele of course It, something that's just really struck me about oftentimes i'm sure you've seen these Uh, these debates on twitter whether it's is messi better than pele is ronaldo better than pele was pele even that great his goals were scored in these friendlies what i mean what's that about there's all these there's all this chatter on twitter um but you know it, it's incredible number one i mean pele as a brand like i said even in 2006 if i had been wearing a pele shirt in the us in the midwest in 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 america um everyone would know who he is and this is before the age of social media this is before i mean he did this in the 60s and was you know there's just this enormous cultural phenomenon he's uh, some of the goals well, obviously we miss them in, in real time but you can see him on youtube are just incredible especially for the time mm. he was so just just a level better than everyone else at the time and even players that had played against him that are considered greats um if you ask them they only have one answer you know who is the best player in the world it's always pele so without a question i think pele is is the club legend um f- for for all of us if if you're asking just from my short little window of following santos i think an alternative answer could be neymar mm-hmm. 
um, who of course is uh, dependent on who you ask the second, third best player in the world right now, um, the most expensive player in the world right now. Um, so if you want to just put that Pele conversation to the side, because it's so evident and so clear that he is not only just a club legend, but really the, the, um, the face of football. I mean, the guy that essentially coined the term, the beautiful game. Um, you know, if you, if you want to just couch that conversation, I think secondarily, especially now in this, in this um, day and age, I think Neymar would be a good, um, a good candidate as well, but um, it's got to be Pelé. If you look at Messi and uh, even Neymar, for that matter, mm-hmm. um, when you consider it that these guys, they have never played in what is so-called considered the best league, the English league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they're interested even. These these greats are literally in a league of their own uh, where yeah. you know, <laughs> you didn't, Messi has spent his entire career at... Uh, and you never thought that he'd leave, right? in La Liga and even for that matter uh, Pele sure he never went to Europe his only stint if I'm not mistaken he, he had a stint in uh, in New York yep with the Cosmos correct yeah Pele is a perfect example of that I think in many ways these guys are just following in his uh, boots yeah it is an interesting comparison to draw um, especially one with with like you said Messi in, in La Liga whereas you know obviously La Liga is no walk in the park um if for if for a long time i think and this may have changed just this year i thought the premier league and la liga were kind of one in two uh, or one a and one b best leagues in the world and i love that comparison because a lot of people especially nowadays obviously um you know will look at pele's career and say oh he spent the whole time in in brazil where i mean even at the time the domestic um at the national league championship wasn't really I mean, it was, it was a focus to be sure, but it wasn't really advanced. It was brand new. I think it started in 59, although there's tons of different structures and, and, and different competitions that had um, taken place nationally in Brazil before that. But, but what I like to remind people is that, you know, the, the Sao Paulo and the Rio state championship leagues at the time were, they had some of the best players in the world. And they were very competitive. A lot of the teams um, and a lot of the players um, from those leagues would would show up to the World Cup and run rings around you know, different European teams. Um, so right. it, it is it's an interesting comparison, um, and, and I think that people really really discount the quality that that was in Brazil. Not o- not only at that time, but really just I mean even 20 years ago. Um, 25 years ago, the, the teams and the players that were stayed domestically in Brazil were really a high quality. And I think that's one of the reasons Pelé uh, stayed, not only for the love of the club, but he had competition. You know? He would do these tours, but they were mostly for you know, financial reasons for the club, uh, playing these European, U- European sides. Um, he, you know, he had plenty of competition and, and Brazil domestically, and it shows. I mean, some of Brazil's best teams, that 1970 World Cup team, was on the back of you know some of Pele's greatest years. And all of those players, um, from my memory right now, there could be maybe one or two, but uh, were domestic players. So uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think more people need to uh, need to 
take a, a more granular look at the career of Pelé if, if they feel that uh, he's not the king of football. And in terms of the league, how is it viewed? Do you think that its popularity has increased in the past few years or is it increasing? Is it on its ascendancy, you'd say? Hmm, that is a good question. Um, it's complicated. Hmm. I think it'll always be very popular in Brazil. It's it's everyone's pri- it's what they grow up with and of course the the big european teams are are gaining market share there too but there's it's just it's more of a cultural thing and and it's it's like almost like going to church and almost like more religious where you do these you know you'll you'll go to a match or you'll watch a match um and and, and so i think that it may be plateauing as far as popularity internationally i know it's it's never been the most followed league in the world um and i can't say i have a hard time putting um or really um gauging the popularity outside of 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 brazil just because i'm so into it so to me i mean I, I, every day i log on twitter everyone's talking about it so um it, from my little bubble it it seems that it may have become a little bit more popular as far as you know the international fans um i, I know there's there'll be plenty of you know football hipsters that probably have their favorite team in brazil um but it's it's hard to tell one thing that i have noticed which is interesting is and it goes back to speak to just the global phenomenon of pele there are lots of fans um of course of santos because of pele but especially in africa mm. um i've noticed and Outside, one could think, okay, yeah, maybe Portuguese speaking Africa, Angola, Mozambique. Um, but outside of that, I, I have tons of followers from from Nigeria, West Africa, um, South Africa. Even there's a club in Cape Town called Santos Cape Town, which I mean, it's it's really incredible. And and I think perhaps maybe there's been a little bit of growth in interest in the Brazilian league. Um, internationally but it's it's really hard to gauge and it's just it's it's almost i'm not sure what the point in that experiment is because the european the big five are just so much bigger and and i'm starting to think that they always will be both of us were talking about our love for the world football phone and yeah <laughs> and tim vickery talking about how the league itself has become a sort of a selling league uh do you see a lot of players who move to Europe? Yeah, I, of course. I mean, it's been a selling league for a number of years now. And, and it's really, you know, this cycle of selling is enabled by reckless management and spending from these Brazilian clubs and their administrations. Um, but uh, just to give you a perspective, um, we, Santos, were in the Copa Libertadores final against Palmeiras, which we ultimately, unfortunately, lost just last year, 2020. And since then, six of our 11 starters in that match, that final match, and for anyone who doesn't know, Libertadores is basically the South American equivalent of the Champions League. Um, six of those 11 players have already left the club. And that final was in, in January. So... It's it's really insane the amount of of talent that that gets sold. Not all of them to Europe. Not all of them to big clubs. Um, one of our key players, Diego Patuca, um, was sold to uh, Kashima Antlers in Japan. 
Um, but then on the flip side, our young striker, Kyle George, was just sold and unveiled, um, unveiled at Juventus um, just this past week. So it's been, it's been painful to see all these young stars and established players going to European clubs. And it makes it even painful, more painful, um, especially this year, because Santos was so successful last year in Libertadores, at least. And we had these players that should have demanded big fees. But because of the desperation for money compounded by the COVID pandemic crisis, I mean, we saw excellent players with high potential go for peanuts. Uh, Verissimo, Lucas Verissimo, possibly, probably the best defender in Brazil last year, went for like six and a half million euros to Benfica, which in my opinion, he should have commanded a fee of 15 or more. Uh, he's, He's a bit older. I think he's 25. So perhaps you're not paying for as many years of upside. But it's it's really become disheartening to see so many of your players, you know, go off um, to Europe and elsewhere and, and, and play. Two caveats to that, though, or positives, is the Brazilian system, the youth system, as everyone knows, is what they're known for, constantly pumps out these incredible youth talents. So, yes, we've lost Lucas Verdes to Mel. A young defender by the name of Kaiki, um, who unfortunately I just saw today, is actually going to be out for about a month. He is um, a fantastic prospect, and now he's going to get more game time. Um, you know, we lost Kyle George, but we've got this other kid, Marcos Leonardo, who's who's on his way up. So there's always a next man up. How successful they'll be, we don't know, but there's always going to be these high-profile prospects that are going to get plenty of playing time in Brazil, and that's one of the most exciting parts of the league. And that's why I think that a lot of people, um, you know, especially if, even if you have a primary team in Europe, um, you should pay attention to what's going on in Brazil and the Brazilian league. And you should watch it because not only is it exciting, it's enjoyable, but you get a first glimpse at so many of these, these stars of tomorrow. Um, Another interesting part of the Brazilian transfer uh, strategy, if you want to call it that, is oftentimes you'll get these players who leave Brazil early for money, um, which is totally understandable if you're coming from a really impoverished area. So I don't, I try not to judge anyone who does, but who have made their money in a place like China or the MLS or somewhere in the Gulf and who are now returning. So we just signed actually today, I'm super excited about just before I was tweeting, uh, Leo Baptistao is coming back to Brazil. He played at Wuh- in Wuhan, China. He has also played for Atletico Madrid, Espanol, amongst a couple other Spanish clubs. But now he's returning to Brazil. He's made his money um, and he's still a very quality player. Um, and so you see that with other players like Hanato Augusto um, just came back to um, Corinthians. Hulk just came back to Atletico Mineiro. Um, Diego Costa even has returned to Brazil. So it's an interesting dynamic of you're constantly shipping out these interesting players and with high you know, potential. But there's also this, this um, you know, repatriation, uh, you know, homecoming, I'll, I'll just say, um, of Brazilian players coming from abroad back to Brazil. And that can be exciting too. Oftentimes they're a bit older or sometimes maybe they're, they haven't done as well as you thought they would. Um, but it makes it really interesting uh, to watch and, and see how they play in Brazil. Again, another player that, uh, that was returned, and you see this a lot with Flamengo as well. They just signed Andreas Pereira yeah, and Kennedy, say, yeah. uh, which are 
two two players I think that they'll do well in Brazil. And there's that there's that 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 thin line of of uh, or I mean this probably applies to many players that they have so much technical skill and quality and whether it's the attitude like Gabriel Barbosa or maybe just the chances or just lacking that little bit of quality and consistency like I think Andres Pereira, who's a Santos fan by the way. Um, but uh, I think that they'll do really well in Brazil. So I'm excited to see them, even if they're not playing for Santos. This actually kind of leads me to my next question. Young players, you're looking to see more of. I mean, like I said, Santos has this incredible youth setup. Um, so there's so many. But the kid that I mentioned earlier, Kaiki, um, same name spelled differently than the winger that Manchester City bought um, from Fluminense. Um, but he's this kind of awkwardly tall looking defender who's showed really, I mean, flashes of brilliance um, last year for Santos, um, really playing much higher than his, uh, or he, he plays older than he, than he is. He's got this um, calmness on the ball. Um, and obviously there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, he's kind of fallen out of form recently. And now with this injury, he's, uh, he'll be out for about a month. But um, he's going to be, I think, a, a big piece in Santos's uh, uh, success in the future. And I think that he is someone that European clubs will be looking at um, in a couple of years, if not already, to bring in. I think so defensively, he's a, a great prospect. The other kid, Marcus Leonardo, that I, I mentioned is another player that is going to command a lot of interest from, from European clubs. He's, um, he's not really a traditional number nine. He's more of a center forward or, you know, someone who can, who can be involved in, in playmaking as well. But he's got a knack for scoring goals that I think is, is going to be really valuable for us. So I, I think for right now, those two prospects are, that I've seen play are really interesting. We also just signed this Venezuelan guy, um, La Cava, Matias La Cava, who is supposed to be a really sensational prospect as well. I think he's going to start off in the under 23 team and, and try to work his way into the professional team, but he's someone that's really highly rated. And I think a lot of people are um, excited about seeing, seeing him in the Santos kit. So um, I think, you know, those three players would be players to keep tabs on, but we have, I mean, so many players throughout the youth setup that are really high, have high ceilings and, and look to be headed towards promising careers. Player or players who you feel deserve a bit more praise for the time of the club? That's that's another good question. I think, you know, it's interesting. There are so many players that I think you could say that they deserve more praise for the, specifically their time at the club, just because in the way they left, oftentimes, you know, if you leave in a way that has kind of scorned the fans, you're forever dead to them. People like uh, Lucas Lima, who look, I'm no fan of, uh, Ganso as well, uh, once a starlet of Santos. Um, but now I think, although su supporters are more split on him, um, as am I. Um, but I think one player that never really gets, he may get some credit and he's been, was such a loyal servant to the club and unfortunately left in not a great way is Aruka uh, from those, those um, uh, that period of like 2010 to 2015. He was on a team that had so many stars, like young stars that are were at the time seemed like they were the future of the national team. Of course, Neymar, who really did live up to his potential, but Gonzo, like I said, um, Rafael Cabral in net, um, who had a stint at, at Napoli and I think is still a really good keeper for Reading now. 
um, but also established play players like, um, you know, you had uh, Alano who had come back from Man City uh, to join Santos, um, Robinho at the time as well. Um, so I, I think he kind of got a bit outshone, but he was, Aruka was such a quality player. And at the time I wasn't able to stream these games, but during the, this, uh, the break for COVID um, or the stoppage for COVID, I went back and I watched a lot of these games in full and he's such a good player. He's a defensive mid midfielder who, um, you know, was kind of that that engine right, that right. drove a lot of uh, of plays from deep line in, in the Santos area. He's also very good, you know, off the ball um, as far as positioning and also the technical skill uh, required to stop and strip the ball off people. And he's a part of one of the most iconic moments in Santos history, especially recent history. Uh, which is the Neymar's first goal in the Libertadores final. Um, he has the assist on it. One of the, his, his more rare offensive contributions, but a, a goal that would ultimately lead to you know the, a crowning achievement uh, for Santos. Um, so I think he deserves a bit more praise. And like I referenced earlier, he actually left the club um, in some sort of legal dispute. I think it was unpaid wages. So I think I think that's kind of dampened some of the... The, the memories uh, of him, but looking back and, and watching those games, he was a player that I thought that um, I wasn't as big on before. I knew the name, but I, I didn't realize how, how great of a player he was. A game that left you disappointed and a game that left you elated. Mm. Okay. Um, we'll go with the disappointed. I think my answer will be pretty obvious and recent. It was last year's Copa Libertadores final against Palmeiras. Um, it really, I mean, we had been the underdogs for the previous three rounds. I think Gremio was probably on paper a better team and we won in, in the quarterfinals. I think Boca was probably a better team on paper and we, we won in the semifinal against them. Um, and so we had made it to this final against Palmeiras in Rio. And I remember, I, you know, I, I blocked my whole day off. I spent, um, you know, just the week leading up to it, so excited. We knew that a lot of our players would be on their way out, especially Lucas Verissimo, um, who had already come into an agreement with Benfica at the time. So that we knew this was going to be a last huzzah. And, of course, standing in our way were our local rivals. And a team that I thought, sure, yes, they're a good team. You would say that they're probably on paper better. Um, but I knew we could beat them. And I think if you played that game 10 times, it would be an even split five and five. And not only did it leave me disappointed because obviously we lost, but the way that we lost, we lost in added time. Um, and, and also I should also, um, or I should preface that with the game was played in Rio and it was hot, hot, hot. It was, you know, just almost brutally hot and you could see it on the pitch. It wasn't a great game. A lot of people were, you know, uh, saying, why am I even watching this? They had broadcast it on free TV, free to air in, in the UK and in Portugal. And so I was really excited about, I, I thought that maybe this would lead to a resurgence and in interest in Brazilian football. Um, so I had such high hopes and it didn't turn out the way. And then in, in not at a time, but extra time, uh, our, the coach at the time, Kuka, was just in a, in a, frustration had grabbed the ball from one of the Palmeiras players when it had exited out. And I, I'm not sure if he threw it or he just grabbed it and kept it away from them and kicked him 
or not him, kicked the ball away, but he was ejected and the, a scrum occurred. And almost exactly from that scrum and, and the resulting throw in after that, um, Paul Maris, go ahead and score. And so thinking back on that, it's just such a way. And I think that if had we kept our focus in the moment and not gotten too hot under the collar, I think that it, it, it could have been a different result. Um, so just a heartbreaking way to lose. And just the quality of the game, I think, overall was disappointing as well. So that would definitely be the disappointing game. Um, a more, again, more recent but more exciting and, and enthusiastic game was the last game of the season in uh, uh, 2019. And Santos was playing Flamengo, which at the time, due to the bizarreness of the Brazilian and, and South American schedule, Flamengo was this, this obviously this powerhouse that year. They had all, they were firing on all cylinders. They had already been, they had beat River in the final of the Libertadores before this game. They had won the Brazilian league. Um, and they were flying high. Jorge Jesus was just this incredible manager. Gabriel Barbosa was firing uh, the former Santa, Santos product, by the way, um, who had previously celebrated against Santos um, in the prior fixture. So I was already very upset about that. But so this last game of the season, and Sampaioli was the coach. Jorge Sampaioli now manages um, Olympic uh, Marseille. And we absolutely crushed flamengo the the just the the kings of america uh this unbeatable team and it was four nil final score all our stars contributed sotelo Mourinho, um Pato Sanchez. um so it was just an elating experience and the best part of that not only beating the champions beating them so convincingly but at the time, Sampaoli's departure wasn't set in stone. He had plenty of meetings with the, current, uh, with the administration at the time. And I had um, this incredible optimism, especially after that game, that he would stay. We had finished second, actually, runner-up to Flamengo that year, which I think was um, definitely uh, uh, a surprise. And I think that he had a lot to do with that, Sampaoli. I'm a, I'm a fan of his coaching style, even though personally I have some questionable feelings towards him. Um, but, uh, but after that match and throughout the course of the match, I had so much optimism for the future. I thought Sampaioli would stay. I thought we would keep this team together. I thought we would challenge the next year. And of course, the next year we would go on to the, the Libertadores final, but achieving a pretty mediocre finish in, in uh, the Brazilian league. So I think those two games um, were a big contrast, but I think they're, uh, they're my answer to, to the disappointing match and exciting match question. What's, what's the feeling about Sampaoli? Well, it's, it's complicated. I think people are, are um, thankful that he came and, and appreciative of his time at Santos because he did a lot with a little. And I think that he was dealing with an administration who at the time were running the club really very poorly um, and who had made a bunch of big moves that didn't, did not work out big money moves. And so I think he was in a tough spot. He wanted, you know, a bunch of money the previous season because he wanted to compete so badly um, in, in Libertadores. And they, they basically said, we can't give you the money for, for player signings. And he said, 
that you know that was it. He couldn't. He couldn't. He had, he had previously also given assurances that he would stay. Um, most heartbreakingly, to these boys that would um, they call them like the tree boys, where they climb these trees bear the the Santos training ground, and they watch all the all the players. And they they had this um, relationship with Sampaoli, and he had invited them into the training center, and um, so he had told them that they, he would stay, and it was this big thing. But so I don't blame him too much. Um, but I think that also he was making demands where um, he knew that the club wasn't going to be able to um, acquiesce to them. So I think he was just sending them on a fool's errand. And um, I think that he had every intention to leave. So it's a little bit complicated. I'm appreciative of his time at the club and I hope that he does well with Marseille. But um, I think that he kind of led a lot of Santos supporters on. Shifting gears from 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 Santos to my, my local club, which is... Um, uh, Detroit City FC or DCFC, um, and I, you know, I had always not. I've been pretty pessimistic about um, uh, football or soccer, if you'd like to call it in this context, uh, really becoming a, a top American sport and you know supported by uh, the masses. Um, I always thought that the North American sports would would win out in the end, um, at least in the U.S. and really only in the U.S. and Canada. Um, but um, I started going to these DCFC matches and I had mentioned to you that the attendance numbers are really, are really incredible. Um, and Detroit has this kind of um, what parts of it now are kind of hipstery. And I could kind of get the appeal of, you know, these hipsters liking this, um, uh, this, the sport and the club is very um, socially aware and it, it kind of fits into their, their brand. But, um, you know, I've so all my positive experience has been positive there. I love going to DCFC games, but something that really, um, uh, you know, really makes me optimistic and feeling positive about the future of the sport, especially in the U.S., is I have fan or I have friends now that um, don't they don't they couldn't tell you one player in the Premier League. They couldn't tell you one team in La Liga. They've never heard of Santos FC. They may they may they probably know Pele, but they don't know the club. Um, but they're inviting me to go to these games and it's become such an enjoyable, um, uh, you know, social event and they're okay. getting more into the team. Um, and I think, you know, uh, and they're, they're buying merchandise. They're, you know, commenting on, you know, goals and things like this. Um, so I think every time I go to a DCFC match, it's, it's something extremely positive, but I think just the way that not only like the traditional support base for that club has been, but the way they've been able to bring in more and more people um, excited about uh, not only the club and the event, but the sport. So um, I think anytime I go to a DCFC match, uh, I have a good time and, and a positive outlook. That's great. So you're essentially, with your context of, of world football, and mm -hmm. you're now watching this community being built for DCFC. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's been exciting and, and they were only just founded in, in 2012 too. So they're a relatively new league and, and the lower leagues in the U S despite the consistency of the MLS, uh, there's lots of turmoil, especially below, um, you know, the, the second level on the so-called pyramid. Um, but, uh, it's been incredible watching them navigate these stormy waters, um, and doing so with with uh with grace and and success too they're a really good team um so 
it's really interesting to see the the club being built, the fan base being built, and success on the pitch being built. You mentioned to me that uh, you tried to become a shareholder as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a a crowdfunding event in um, uh, at the height of the pandemic. I think um, might have even been no, it must have been during the pandemic. And as someone who wanted to support the club, I and uh, I. Uh, I wanted to invest and I wanted to buy a number of shares and they had a, a, um, a crowdsource campaign to do so, um, to, you know, keep operations going during, during this pandemic. And unfortunately, um, I, there was, they were actually oversubscribed. So, um, they had all the money they needed. And unfortunately I was on the outside looking in. Um, but, uh, but I did try and I, I if, if, if at all, I, I would love to be part of, a football club in the future because um, I think it's so exciting and to have, you know, some skin in the game, I think is something that is, would be enjoyable and exciting. I'm a big kit person. I like shirts, I like kits. Um, but the, the issue with me is I oftentimes, I don't, I really only wear them if I'm going to a, a DCFC match or any sort of football match um, playing, playing, football with my friends just casually i don't wear them out and about so oftentimes i have a hard time justifying buying these expensive expensive things um but i did have i had this prized possession that i've unfortunately now lost on the back of that 2006 world cup i had this blue uh italian 2006 world cup the real one too um that i had gotten for my from my parents as a birthday present and i was elated i wore it until I didn't fit. And then after that, I had it um, hanging up in my room. But uh, unfortunately, it's, it's since been lost to the, the sands of time. But I think that was something that I was intensely proud of um, and, and loved quite a bit. I also have behind me here uh, a 2014-2015 um, Neymar jersey, um, the home Barcelona, which has, it's, it's a cool kit to have i like just the aesthetic i thought it was the last um or one of the, i'm not a big fan of barca's kits this year the previous year the year before i thought this one was an outstanding it's so simple the color tones on it are great and um, of course they won the treble that year so it's incredibly special um as a kit standalone uh for me it's even more special because um it's neymar who's a great idol of, of santos and and following his departure from Santos, you know, I followed him quite closely at, at, at Barcelona and uh, loved to see him success. And I, I wish that that MSN trio had a couple more years together, just because I think that that was one of the most incredible tridents that I've seen in my time um, following football. But uh, so, so that is something that I, that I, that I cherish. Um, it's in a glass case for, for um, all those listening um, and also I'm wearing, uh, the, uh, black alternate, um, Santos kit right now. Uh, it's, a got the number 10 Pele's number, um, but it's a Soteldo kit. So, and Soteldo is one of my, my favorite players and one of the most exciting players that we've had come through recently. So, um, this is one that I, I really like. And, uh, um, I think those, those three are really the, the, my three favorite. I do have some other kits lying around. Um, a scarf or two, but uh, on the whole, I'm, I'm more of a kit guy, and, and these three are my favorite. You were telling me that uh, you had a 
uh, stint abroad as well, studying. Yeah, oh, yeah. The now infamous Wuhan. Yeah, yeah. So um, in in 2016, uh, I uh, I studied abroad in China, and as a part of that, we studied uh, in Wuhan, like you said, now infamous at Wuhan University. I had a great time, and it was something super enjoyable, and, and it's just、uh, something that I think everyone should should you know if it's feasible. Travel outside their country and 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 see the world, but、uh, we were talking about earlier. My my obsession with football obviously followed me over the Pacific, and、uh, I I became really interested in 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 football culture in China and Hong Kong and, and Singapore, which both of which I, I traveled to after my study abroad. And、uh, it, it was it's interesting seeing、um, the culture in in China. Uh, where basketball is much more of a, a popular sport, everyone was in class.、Uh, it was funny; all the Chinese kids would sit in the back because、uh, we had mixed classes,、um, all in English, but we had Chinese students too.、Um, but they were they would be streaming the NBA finals, which were on at the time.、Um, and but they really enjoyed. We played basketball with them a few times, and we played football with them as well.、Um, they they enjoyed playing that. They didn't follow it as much, um, but um, you, you know. It was just a really interesting time to see all these football culture, you know how it how it translates.、Um, also, just on Wuhan and, and football,、um, Leo Baptistao, who we just signed this morning, came over from. He was playing for Wuhan FC,、um, which is another interesting tie in there.、Um, but、uh, I was I was I was telling you that、uh, one of the most interesting places that I saw football culture was in Hong Kong, which is this tiny little. City state really that、uh, that has this unique football culture. They have the history of of being a British colony, and and so you'd think that perhaps that you know the game there has caught on, and it, it has and it hasn't. And but this Hong Kong Premier League has experienced a resurgence、um, in the in the past couple of years. I think the FA there are really trying to get interest in it,、um, and、uh, you know it's it's led to、um, you know players like Diego Forlan. I think the last stop. After he retired was was for for Kitchi,、um, which is a club at the time was a dominant club in the Hong Kong Premier League.、Um, so、uh, it's it's really interesting to see these different football cultures. And, and like I said earlier, I, I've just become obsessed with the sport, and I love seeing it in different contexts.、Um, and, and studying abroad in China and traveling elsewhere has、so、allowed me to see that, and it's been it's been really cool. You were talking about podcasts last time. And、uh, you know, our shared interest in all these podcasts, and we were exchanging some notes on that. You mentioned that your Twitter handle was really inspired by one of these podcasts. Yeah, absolutely, it was. And I, I had been working a job at the time that I,、uh, I had a lot of on my own time,、um, and so just working on a computer in Excel,、uh, you know, just、uh, on my own. And I started listening to all these podcasts and became quite addicted to them. Um, and there was one that I had found. I can't even recall how I found it. Called Canary in Blue, which unfortunately has has ceased to exist. But these two guys, Chase and Jimmy, were、um, uh, just avid fans of the Brazilian national team,、um, and so they started this podcast and an in depth analysis of of the Sao、um, Sao,、um, and then after it kind of caught on, they started looking at、um, at the Brazilian league as well. And I became, I loved this podcast, um, and um,、uh, you know, I realized at the time because I started following them on Twitter that 
there was this community, this very, like I said earlier, niche, niche community of English language, Brazilian football content. And I was like, well, who better than me to become a part of that community? And so that's what I did. Yeah. So that's when I, and, and luckily there was, there's a number of, of really excellent um, English language, unofficial Twitter accounts for different Brazilian teams. And I, I checked and there actually was a Santos English account. And I was like, oh, well, there goes my idea. Um, but uh, when I looked a little bit closer, um, it, it didn't really tweet consistently. And uh, it, it, it had been kind of neglected, I think. So I thought, uh, well, I thought, well, this is, this is my opportunity. Why don't I just start a new one? Um, and so I did so. Yeah. So uh, you can follow me on, on, on Twitter. My, my name is Santos FC English. Um, the, the handle is um, Santos FC underscore English. So, so yeah, check me out there um, where I tweet well, also. It's a Santos content. Yeah. Episode notes as well. Yeah. Great. Great. But yeah, those two guys, Chase and Jimmy from the Canary in Blue, they, they, they shut it down. I think their personal lives were just becoming too, too busy. But uh, I, yeah, you, I owe it to them. Um, it's been something that I've really enjoyed. And uh, uh, you know, those two guys uh, had a really great podcast and I hope they're doing well. I'm not sure where they're, what they're up to now, but uh, I'm sure they're successful in whatever they're doing. And now you're considering starting a podcast as well. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, talk, speaking of inspiration, I mean, we were talking last time about about the the process and and, and what's required, um, and um, listening to you uh, and and our really our chat last time has has inspired me. And I, I took the week, like I said, I had, I had a busy week, but I tried to to mix in um, some research about that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's something that I'm I really would love to do and, and that I want to consider. And I, I took your suggestion and um, the gentleman whose whose name I've since forgotten, but hosts the the solo um, uh, podcast yeah. on Busan Real. Course, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, was uh, I'm I might take some inspiration from him because that's a really well yeah, done show. Yeah. 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 yeah and um, yeah, that uh, that I think is would be a, you know it's it's he established a, a structure that I think that uh, um, yeah. is is useful for doing a, a solo podcast because we were, as we were saying earlier, it's tough, you know, linking up with people. And if yeah. you're going to have this, this podcast, you've got to have both people totally committed. You've got, there's got to be rapport. There's got, both of you have had to watch. Um, so it's, a, it's an enormous time commitment. Um, and I think the solo podcast for me right now is, is uh, it's probably my only option, but um, but yeah, you you definitely inspired, and 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 the, and the wheels are turning in my head. So <laughs> that's great. That's great, man. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. I look yeah. forward to it. And I'm 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 yeah. sure that you'll you know once you put it out there, you'll have people uh, eager to come on and join you. Yeah, absolutely. And and you have an open invite. Should this podcast get off the get off the ground? Um, because, that's great. I, yeah, I, I would love to. Yeah, yeah, it would be great, and I, I, we can talk Arsenal and and uh, and some of the Brazilian players that have come through the the door there. Yeah, um, be because it's be yeah, it would be uh, uh, I'm sure very interesting for all involved, and uh, so yeah, so that's that's in the works. This journey, what has it meant to you? What has it brought to your life? Being a Santos FC fan. Hmm. Uh, 
a big, broad question. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. Um, other than just lots of, you know, just personal enjoyment. I mean, so for so many, for so long, it's kind of been, like I said earlier, this, this, uh, like secret passion, not that I've been keeping it a secret, but it's just something that's a personal passion of mine that I think a lot of my, my friends here just wouldn't understand. And I think a lot of people have these sort of passions that they keep to themselves and but there's just, it, it, it's become very fulfilling just joining this community online and, and meeting people such as yourself and, and having this outlet. Um, but it, it, it's really become um, just, I just, I feel so much, uh, you know, a part of something bigger and, and that's always enjoyable. Um, and especially these last few years where Santos has had these, these good runs, whether it's in Libertadores or domestically, um, that they've been successful and exciting players coming through. And um, it's just something that I can look forward to after a long day of work. It's something exciting when I get, I'm getting, um, you know, I, I'm watching the match. I have something to look forward to uh, as far as transfers or, um, you know, the ex- just the news of the day. Um, it, it's, it's a welcome outlet and uh, experience that, uh, that, I, that, I, that I really enjoy. That, that's a great answer, man. I, I think that, you know, when, when you when you put it like that, and, and a lot of the times, you know, I um, I sort of have an idea. I know who, who Santos mm-hmm. FC is, you know, and I, and I know the story of Neymar and Pele and things like that. But when you hear it from somebody who is a fan, mm-hmm. you, you have that fan's perspective now. And then, and that's infectious. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, and then, you know, now I'm interested and in learning a bit more about the club, and I'm always interested in learning about different clubs in different parts of the world. Um, so I, I think that what you said is, is so great because it's it's just that you know it's that it's that common sort of interest. And now because of your passion and and the way that you've introduced it to me, um, you know now I'm interested to keep an eye on on Santos and and discover more about the Brazilian league as as best as I can really, <laughs> but. Uh, that's how uh, what I find interesting, and and that's a brilliant answer, man. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I think you distilled it a lot clearer than I did in my in my answer, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think you're totally right. Yeah, and I I think it is so infectious, and I think that um, you know, that's something that I was I was saying uh, I was telling you earlier that uh, we I had been I've been listening to a number of your your episodes, and and now I'm. I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I heard, um, you know, uh, Kelly Keith, I think talking about Roma and now I'm thinking about, okay, Oh, who's, I want to learn about what's going on in the football culture in Uganda. Like why, what's going on there? What is it? What's the connection to Rome? You know, Kaiser chiefs with Adrian and Tijuana or, um, you know, the, um, uh, San Lorenzo in English, uh, guy who uh, was it, uh, I can't recall his name. William, 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 William. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, who I've interacted with on Twitter, and 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 his story, and um, you know um, Alex from Malaysia, and, and now I'm thinking, well, yeah, what's the football culture like in KL? Like, um, oh, it's just yeah, it's 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 just a common language. It's such a cliche to say, but um, it's it's a common language, and it connects people, um, and and there's just something fulfilling about that. 
you like to travel you mentioned yep. uh, and you you uh, take some interesting pictures yep. that have a santos connection yeah so i i've you know just because of um travel restrictions of course i haven't been traveling much lately but um i did i was lucky enough to go on a trip um in 2019 or 2018 where i went to uh thailand and then i went to south korea um and uh, just kind of while i was packing i thought that i just grabbed a, a santo shirt that i had and um and when i was when i was there so for a long time i i i kind of wanted to keep um my a level of anonymity on on my account um just i'm i'm not sure why now i'm i'm less concerned about it um but at the time so i just i just grabbed a santo shirt just i think i might have even grabbed it for like pajamas but i just as i was traveling there on the plane and i had an idea maybe i'll take a photo for for my twitter account and and let everyone know that you know this club is truly a global club and uh we're you know we're across the the, the globe um so i ended up just taking you know a few pictures of the crest on the on the shirt with the skyline of bangkok in the background um i did the same in um in in seoul in south korea um and so now i've kind of had this relatively new trend of of, of taking this picture of the kit in in places like miami beach and um where else northern michigan um and a number of other places that i've been and actually interestingly um one of the sponsors of the santos youth team is the tourism board of thailand um so some um there's a number of santos supporter accounts on on instagram but one of them had asked me if they minded if i used this picture of 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 the santos crest with the bangkok back um skyline in the background and they posted it on twitter and um the the tourism sponsors actually responded and said that they loved the pic so um so that was cool to see and that's another just kind of connection that that was made that uh I think is uh is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It really is, man. It really is. Yeah. It's and it's such a simple idea, right? But it, right. it it sort of represents so much uh, to so many people uh, all of a sudden. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool to see and and now anytime I travel I, I try to bring some piece of 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 gear with me uh, that has the Santos crest on it. Pedro, thanks so much for coming on Farway fan. It has been an absolute pleasure learning about Santos from you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh it's been equally fun being on and uh yeah, let me know if uh, if ever you need another guest um and you want to talk more Santos, uh I would I would be happy to. Brilliant. And I look forward to the podcast, man. <laughs> and I'll probably be much sooner than that coming to you with uh with uh you know, any questions I have on the podcasting and uh tips. and then eventually hopefully um you know a guest spot at the quest so keep an eye open for that. that thanks man yep thank you i really appreciate it thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed the show do leave us a review and you can also find us on twitter and instagram at farwayfanpod that's farwayfanpod thanks again